sick and tired of being sick and tired. Bishop Julius C. Treble speaks about gun violence in America on episode number 16 of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. And I think that we're at, a, we're at a point in history where we really need to change the things that we cannot accept. You are welcome to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Bishop Tremble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Tremble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church with a focus on centering your life on the love of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. This is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. I'm the co-host of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Tribble. This is the podcast where Bishop Tribble looks to bring an encouraging word into a discouraged world. Today we're talking about a topic that we've had to talk about way too much, Bishop. We're talking about uh, violence, gun violence in particular. And there was a situation in Texas a few days ago, and a couple weeks ago we had a situation in Buffalo, New York. But it's really, it is an epidemic that's happening around our country and around the world. Um, first of all, hello, and gl- glad to have you on the podcast. But uh, I know you got some things on your heart that you just want to share right now. So let's just get into what is on your on your heart, Bishop. Thank you, Brad. It's, uh, it's always good to at least have this uh format that we might be able to share words of encouragement and words of honest reflection on where we are as a world, as society, and the role of the Christian church at critical times like we are living in now. It's hard to believe. I I wanted to say, Brad, I don't know if I told you this, but, you know, since we last met, uh, since we last talked, uh, I've spent some time uh, weeping and, and and expressing anger in recent days, and I know I'm, I'm not the only one. A lot of people have expressed anger. I've been reading some of the op-ed pieces and letters to the editor and some online posting and tweets. Uh, people are really just sick and tired of, uh, of being sick and tired of all this gun violence. It's almost hard to believe, but since Uvalde, Texas, where children went to an elementary school to enjoy their final days of school and left the school in body bags. Uh, since that time, there have been 17 more mass shootings uh, as, as measured by when there's four or more people shot. You know, and, and this seems to be a phenomenon that is almost uniquely American. Um, obviously, we're not the only country there where people have the right to own guns or carry guns. There have been two, 228 mass shootings this year. And I believe 27 or 28 have been school shootings. So there's something um, 
something just not right about that. Now I know something that, per yeah. perverse and sick and warped about the whole deal. I think people are at a point, uh, very close to a breaking point, to saying, "Okay, enough is enough. Is enough is enough." And uh, I know you. I know you've lifted up a few scriptures and a few other things in your life. But what's making you? You said you're angry about it. So what is making you angry about this whole deal, Bishop? Tell us about. Let's go there for a minute. Well, I think uh, part of the angry uh, angry is that I don't want to. I don't think we should ever diminish the power of prayer, because the Bible uh, reports time and time again of how how major things have been done. Uh, as a result of prayer, and almost nothing I can think of that was done without prayer of, of consequence, of positive consequence. But this notion that uh, the, the church's only role is, or people, uh, Christian citizens, uh, our only role is to pray is really, uh, really uh, uh, disingenuous at best. Uh, I think we really need to pray and we also need to really push for public policy and also uh, uh, raise the clarion call uh, for a moral accounting of where we are as a human society. Because this notion that uh, the Second Amendment rights are unlimited uh, uh, is, is really misguided at best. I think we, when we see that other countries have responded, Australia, New Zealand, uh, United Kingdom, after they've had mass shootings and they've made major changes and restrictions, particularly as it relates to automatic weapons and, and uh, high capacity magazines. And mm. it's in, in our country, there's almost, uh, and, and I say this not, not tongue in cheek, but it's almost uh, easier to get guns than it is sometimes to get some of your, your prescriptions feel if you, if you, if you have uh, allergies or if you have uh, particular medical medical uh, concerns, some of those medications require a significant uh, uh, process in order for you to get them filled, as they should. But uh, an 18 year, 18 year old going, yeah, yeah, 18 year old going on their birthday buying a buying an autumn AR-15 just does not sit sit right with me. It just really, really unbelievable and you know when you hear phrases bishop like and you touched on it here we you know you and i do believe in the power of prayer but it seems like the phrase thoughts and prayers has been usurped for a kind of a warped political uh, purpose here and that when some people hear the phrase oh i'm going to give you thoughts and prayers it is almost acerbic to some people. They recoil when people say that because they're saying, okay, doggone it. What are you really going to do about this? We need more than thoughts and prayers. And I, I'm one who believes in active prayer. You got to take action. You don't just think and, and pray it. You got to take action with it. Can you go there for a second? Uh, how we can respond to those who, those parents and those people in Texas and in, and those relatives in Buffalo and other places who, when somebody says thoughts and prayers, they go, "Oh, come on, not again." Well, I think I think our I think our faith tradition says, you know, in the Book of James, faith without works is dead. So, the, so we can't really we can't say that we're exercising our faith. Maybe we have faith, but we just don't want to exercise it. If we're, you know, in order to exercise, you have to move. Uh, mm. Any ex any exercise you do, 
you have to move. I'm not a runner, Brad, but I'm a walker. Yes. And, and I can't claim that I'm really exercising if I if I don't move. So so I think I think when we say uh, thoughts and prayers, it, it's almost uh, in, in some cases it, it, it can. While it may be well intentioned, it can almost become like pouring salt on an open wound. Yes. Yes. I and agree. Particularly if it comes from people who maybe have authority to make policy changes and people people want to know, well, can you do anything else? Let's take, for example, the call people often say after this, after mass shootings, Brad, oh, we need to do something about mental health in this country. Well, if you follow the dollars and you look at the various states, uh, you know, in individual states, we can see how much money we invest in mental health services. Uh, are we really investing in provide training and preparing more people to be school counselors or psychologists or psychiatrists, or 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 I would say clergy, investing mm, in investing in, yeah, investing in clergy because we have a role uh, as person pastoral to provide pastoral care and to provide uh, to provide counsel for people uh, as we navigate life in this tumultuous world. Uh, one mm. of the Serene Jones, uh, I think I have her name right. The uh, um, yeah, Serene Jones of Union Theological Seminary uh, said the church is called at, as it exists in this space of trauma. I mean, this was after 9-11, but I'm applying it to any trauma. Sure, absolutely. The church is called to engage in the crucial task of reordering the collective imagination of its people and to be wise and passionate in this task. I really read that and interpret that, Brad, to say, We've got to change the collective imagination of, 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 of our society to think we've got to think differently about it. What's the definition of insanity? You know, they often throw out is what's that saying? Uh, Same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Right? Yeah, expect a different result. That's what I feel like happens every time we have these shootings. We, it hits the headline. We, I don't even know if all the people from Buffalo were, were buried before we already were dealing with a new headline of Uvalde, Texas. And yet we have folks who respond in a way that seems to me, and I was going to say it, it seems to me antithetical to the gospel when people say something to the effect of the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And I'm just kind of thinking, okay, that doesn't seem to be working either because the gun itself is such a weapon of destruction. I'll use the analogy that I heard, you know, that somebody said something. If uh, if my kid is doing a bad thing and beating another kid with a stick, yeah, my kid's a bad kid, but I'm going to take the stick away from him, you know, and uh, I'm going to punish him, but I'm going to take the stick away. So that didn't happen anymore. What do we do with this kind of thinking? What do we do kind of thinking that, you know, we do? the only way to solve this issue is more guns. I don't get it. I don't well, get this at all. That's called stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. <laughs> Stinking thinking. Yeah. You know, it's it's bizarre. And, and you know, uh, my, my grandfather used to say, you know, you can uh, thinking people can always find a, a reason not to do the right thing. And when I hear people, particularly people of, of power and influence uh, and sometimes elected officials say that I can't I said I can't. I think are they really serious about that? You know, do, do we really want to have our, like it? Yeah, we don't want to we don't want our teachers teaching critical race theory, but we want them to pack. <laughs> We want them to pack, uh, 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 you know, automatic uh, pistols, and, yeah. and you know, and and get trained to do to do that. We don't want we don't want our teachers, you know, to have the freedom to 
to uh, have support with mental health workers in the school and social social workers uh, and access to, to nurses and, and other uh, partnerships in the community. But we, but, we, but, we want, but we think that if we have more guns in the schools, that would make us safer. I, I don't know. I don't, I find it bizarre. We, yeah, we, we have a, we, yeah, go on. If you extrapolate that out, you know, having teachers with guns, I mean, you're just setting things up basically for more disaster shootouts in the classroom or whatever it would be. Just amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Well, they say, they probably said, I went to B school to be an educator. If I wanted to be a police officer, I would have went to police academy. So, uh, wow. hey, listen, I know police officers have a tough job. And, oh, and yes. when there's a school shooting, they're responding to something that's already happened. Yes. So that means that, you know, that there's likely, uh, you know, we, we are we're talking about mitigating more massive loss of life. But we're not talking about stopping uh, this, these horrendous crimes and trauma. We have a, a gun fetish, if you will, in America. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I think, you know, I think we have bowed down. Uh, too much to the altar on the altar of uh, violence and gun ownership, and uh, it's 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 uh, it's killing us. And it's not just killing us by the loss of life. Think about these children who who who, who could have grown up to do, do so much, could could have done so much. It's not only killing our children. It's not only killing our children, Bishop. Which amazing, just in and of that statement in itself, it's killing. Our children, what is it doing to everybody who is in that scene, teachers, other students, and that whole community and our whole world? It is a trauma that lasts forever. I heard a uh, a, uh, a person interviewed the last couple of days after the school shooting who was a survivor of Columbine, which was something like 23 years ago, and was talking about the impact still on her life and how this brought back things as well. It is an ongoing trauma that we have to deal with. Yes, I mean we, Parkland, uh, uh, oh, Sandy yeah. Sandy Hook. You know these these Gosh. things uh, are, are you know communities have been traumatized, uh, and uh, I think I think we really we really have to do do much better. I don't I don't know what what the opposition is to comprehensive background checks. I don't know. At one point we had a ban on assault weapons, and that that ban expired, and it's not been able to be reinstated. So, you know, what are we willing to give up? What are we willing to give up? Well, let's talk about that for a second in terms of I, I pulled up an article from umcnews.org about grieving and praying after the attack on school about the uh, Texas shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And it says here uh, that the Council on Bishops president called on lady and clergy to go on the offense to stop mass shootings. What do you think? Uh, what do you think that means in practical terms? What does it mean for the church to go on offense to stop mass shootings? I think it means what we've been talking about, Brad. It means reordering the collective imagination of the people in the church and the society. And uh, you know, I think we need to we need to engage in public protests. We need to engage. I wrote my I wrote my senator, uh, one of my senators, uh, uh, after the shooting and. And just ask, you know, pled, I said, please do something. Not the New York, New, the New York uh, Times had a listing of senators who who had comments after after the Uvalde shooting, 
and you know they were appropriate comments but there was very little uh, commitment to doing any real change and the first thing i'm looking for is 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 our elected officials willing to work across the aisle and to say let's put the saving of lives above everything else so if it's public you know you can it's you can public it's public uh information you can see how much any elected official brad has received from the nra uh, in campaign yeah. campaign contributions and i would pray that no one would no one's voice would be muted uh because they've received uh campaign contributions they still should remember that they serve uh on behalf of the citizens of this country and the constitution of this country and the lives of our children are at stake i mean what more do you need what more do you need my goodness uh there's just an amazing uh disconnect it seems between what some people uh how they approach this and i think part of this being on the offensive that perhaps it's time and this is just kind of me just thinking out loud for the church to organize more to be in some sort of a more overt in our uh, response as churches and as the church to uh, to gun violence and things like that and help organize, put appropriate political and socioeconomic pressure on various organizations. I mean, that's been done in civil rights and some other areas of for uh, for justice and so on. Maybe that's time for that. I don't know. What do you think? Should we get more organized in this in the church? I think we are. I think we need to we need to align ourselves with with other uh, organizations uh, and and uh, ecumenically and interfaith uh, to to do what we historically have done. There's people of faith have always historically stood up on behalf of uh, those who have been marginalized and those who have also been subject to to violence. So so if 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 we can we can organize to celebrate our church anniversaries, we can organize to. To, to, to celebrate uh, all kinds of significant events, certainly we can organize on behalf of children. What I'm, I appreciate about the Indiana Conference United Methodist Church, Brad, is that a couple of years ago, we initiated Children Matter Most as a missional priority. Yes. yes. And what we said was that every church should ask the question, uh, you know, that's asked in, 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 in one of the tribes from, from Kenya, Kesari and Gary, and how are the children in, mm. in, in Swahili? I may not be pronouncing that right. Kesari and Ngera. And how are the children? In, in some societies, they don't just say hello or good morning, but they ask the question, how are the children? And I think uh, I appreciate the fact that, there, that there's been widespread support for emphasis on making children matter most. And if we make children matter most, we, we obviously are, we are concerned about families and communities sure and so sure. i think you, the answer to the question what should we do we should align ourselves with those who are willing to do what we think jesus remember what we used to say what would jesus do what did we think jesus would do in a case like this i don't know beyond beyond weep yes well you know uh, I, I mean i am interested in your uh, i guess i would say what your christology would be regarding this issue uh, you've mentioned it, you know, uh, and what you're what let's just go there. What do you think Jesus would do? You know, we know 
in uh, Luke 23, 28 says, weep not for, uh, for me, but for yourselves and for your children. There's got to be a lot of weeping. There is a lot of weeping going on regarding these children and those others who've lost their lives. How do we bring a proper Christology into this, where there are some people who have, I believe, warped Christology to make it fit their political agenda, for instance? How do we get an appropriate Christology going on here? I think if, I think if we would put away the sword, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when, when the disciples were willing to pick up the sword and uh, uh, the New Testament passage and, 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 and cut off and, and cut up Jesus, Jesus said, put away the sword. And yes. I think that uh, he, he is not only called the Prince of Peace, uh, but he is indeed the Prince of Peace. So what does it mean to, to uh, treat one another in a human society in which we do not even allow our anger to be translated or our sickness to be translated into things that destroy others. I think a healthy Christology would call us to account uh, for the children and account for all people. Jesus said, you know, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Uh, And I'm sure that beyond weeping and praying, a healthy Christology would be to uh, go on the offense, go on the offense. Yeah. And then again, we have to contend with fear and ignorance that uh, folks have regarding these issues. I know a few years ago I had a wedding at my church and the uh, person who was getting married uh, literally asked me in one of the premarital counseling sessions, uh, how do you feel about me and my family bringing guns into the church for this wedding? And I go, go, come on. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I had to laugh in a way, but he was dead serious and the, the fact of the matter was there had been a shooting at a church a couple months prior to this wedding. And that's what they were fearful of, some sort of a deal like that. And I just said to him, you know, I said, you're not going to do that. If you do that, I'm not going to be doing the wedding. You're not going to be doing the wedding in this church. And we ended up being, but the fact, the question even that was posed just kind of knocked me, you know, knocked me off my. Well, we're living in a different time now where, you know, so, so many churches do have security. Uh, and, you know, and um, we know that this has been true in, in uh, places of worship with Jewish synagogue or where there where those who is of the Islamic faith and, and other other faith traditions where there's been they've been susceptible to uh, being pulled out or even uh, we know this to be true. Uh, what happened in Charleston? Six man went in and. Um, sat for prayer meeting before he killed uh, those persons in South Carolina, black, black, black from the black church. And, uh, AME, AME. Mm-hmm. There is a racial element in so much of this. There's a social, you know, there's a, you know, anti-Semitic element in so much of what we're talking about here. It's all interrelated, isn't it? It's all interrelated with, I'm just going to say it. I think it's evil. I think it's of the evil. It one. Is, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, that's a, probably a good place to, for me to stop on this is I had a, colleague of mine who preacher friend he said julius i want you to know he said the enemy is busy he said some yes. of this is just pure evil and he said if you if we really pay attention to the scriptures we should not be surprised jesus said in john 10 verse 10 the enemy or the thief depending upon which translation you're the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy 
Three things. Yes. Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus all says all destructive. Yeah. But you mentioned about Jesus' Christology. Here it is. Jesus yes. says what? I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly in or the, more completely in the full. Depending, in the full. In the, yeah. So 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 when we say, Well, what would Jesus do? Jesus said, Listen, I'm on the side of life and bringing more life. Uh, yes. And uh, so, so I think I think we we uh, Professor Angela Davis said, you know, we don't have to accept the things we cannot change. We need to change the things we cannot accept. Mm, and I think profound. that we're at a, we're at a point in history where we really need to change the things that we cannot accept. All right. Well, Bishop, given all the heavy, heavy conversation we've had here today. You were known, and the whole theme of our podcast is to be encouraged. Even given all of this, uh, are you are you encouraged at all? And if so, what encouraging word can you share with our listeners? And then perhaps we can have a have a prayer here about everything, because I really believe the evil one is at work, and <laughs> and ultimately the evil one is going to have to be met full force by the our God. You're right. No, you're right, Greg. And sometimes, even when I'm I'm discouraged, as I was after these shootings or have been, I'm still hopeful. So I really want okay. people to hear that and to understand yes. that that I have not lost hope, uh, as as uh, the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu said. You know, I'm a prisoner of hope, and I think the Word of God is pretty clear about that. That God's plan, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare. I know there's different translation or for your prosperity. Plans for your welfare, not for your harm. So so this is not of God. You know, I don't know, you know, there's probably some distorted theology would say, you know, God God causes everything. No, I don't agree with that. God did God didn't cause the cause it this. But because God's yeah, yeah. God's plans, God says I have plans for you and not for your harm to give you a future with hope, the future with hope. The very last words in the book of the Bible, the New Testament, the one who testifies of these things says, I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, all the saints. Amen. One of my colleagues like to say, we know the end of the story, and God always wins. And life always wins over death. Yes. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will prevail. Will prevail. The Holy Spirit will prevail. Yes. How about praying us out, Bishop, for uh, conclude our time? Yeah, let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for those who are listening to this podcast. Uh, we know that uh, we've had some weary days and some tough times, but we know that, God, you are a God who's, uh, does not uh, allow us not ever to have broken hearts, but your heart is big enough to welcome in all of us, even when we have broken hearts. We thank you, O oh God, for granting us a spirit of hope. Allow us to go on the offense with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of Christ for all people. Oh Lord, we want to advocate on behalf of mental health support for those who are in need of help and hope. But we also want to advocate on behalf of more sensible reality as it as it as it relates to guns and gun violence 
Lord, we can no longer accept uh, what has been the status quo of, of day after day, of week after week of these senseless act activities of gun violence. Give us the will and the wherewithal to bring change in public policy, to bring change in our moral conscience and accountability. We pray all of this, O oh Lord, as we pray for the children and for the grandparents and for the people who have been harmed all across the globe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Trumbull, an encouraging word for a discouraged world. Consider yourself encouraged and appreciated for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen, to be encouraged. You can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D.com. Or connect through Apple Podcast where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember to listen next week to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. And never forget, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it.